Well, I am Bill White, pastor of the Christ Journey family, and wherever you're making your connection with us today, Gables Campus, Kindle Campus here in beautiful South Florida, or across the nation or around the world, we greet you in the name of the God who not only loves the world, he so loves the world that he gave his only son, whoever believes in him might not perish, but have everlasting life. We are praying God's blessing for you from Christ Journey. Now, uh, a few years back, we took, our church took the name Christ Journey, and I was asked as recently as this week, why did you change your name? The answer is pretty simple. We want our name to say what we are about. What are we about? Well, Christ comes first. <clears throat> Excuse me, Christ comes first. Christ comes first, Christ journey, and then we follow him through life. Everybody's on a journey in life, and our part is to help people find Christ and journey with him through life into the fullness of God's blessing, and God's blessing toward the human race was first, or God's posture toward the human race was first blessing. So what is the Christ journey? The Christ journey is your personal pathway to blessing from God. Not, God not only made the world and then blessed us with life in it, God came to the world in the person of Jesus Christ, gave himself for the world that we might experience the fullness of his blessing in this life and the next life. That's what the Christ journey is. God desires blessing for you if you are breathing in this life. But to get there, you gotta learn some new math. And what I mean by that, I wanna tell you a story. It was the rivalry football game between Oklahoma University and OSU, Oklahoma State University, some years ago now. Um, OSU has got the ball. They're six points behind. The goal, yard, the, the goal line is 80 yards away. Time is running out and it's pouring down rain. So it's all but over in the game. So in the spirit of goodwill, the coach puts the team seniors in so that they can finish their football careers on the field. And he tells his quarterback, Randy Johnson at the time, just call whatever play you want. So Randy gets the team huddled up and he calls play 13, which is strange to the team because they've never called play 13 ever. And the reason is because they never got it to work in practice. So they never called it in the game. But he calls play 13 and the impossible happens. I mean, it was a trick play, but it works. Next thing you know, OSU is in the, in the end zone. They win the game by one point. Crowd goes wild. And they're carrying the hero of the football game off the field, Randy Johnson. And the coach shouts at him, hey, Randy, why did you call? Why in the world did you call play 13? And Randy shouts back to him, well, coach, I was in the huddle and I looked over at Harry and I saw these big old tears running down his cheeks. You know, it's his last game of football career and we're losing and he's got that big eight on his chest. And then I looked over at Ralph and Ralph's got tears coming down his cheeks and you know, we're losing and I saw that big seven on his jersey. And so I put eight and seven together and called play 13. <laughs> and the coach goes, but Randy, Eight and seven don't add up to 13. And Randy thinks about it for a moment. He says, well, you're right, coach. If I was as smart as you are, we wouldn't have won the game. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes the numbers just don't seem to add up. And yet, 
There's the win. And Jesus, at the beginning of his message, wants us, he's gonna teach us some new math because I'm predicting that somebody listening in is going to say, those numbers just don't add up for me today. And yet, that's where Jesus wants to say, that's where the win is. That God's blessing, Jesus began his greatest sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, with a list of blessings from God. God wants to bless you in life and beyond, but in order to experience it, it kind of doesn't look or feel like blessing. There's this new math at work. You ever want to be blessed by God? Have you ever asked God to bless your family, bless your finance, bless your future, bless your marriage, bless your life, bless your... You ever ask God to bless... What does blessing mean? What does that look like? Have you ever had somebody ask you, would you just pray that God would bless my decision, that God would bless my business? What does that mean? The blessing of God. Well, Jesus shows us in the Beatitudes, this list of blessings, what does a life of blessing look like? And so over the next four weeks, we're gonna see that God has an amazing plan for each and every life, but to get in on the blessing, you gotta learn some new math. We could call that path of blessing the Christ journey, and the Christ journey is every person's opportunity. That means you to live a life of the full blessing of God in your life. Now, I bet somebody's wondering, okay, yeah, but if that's all true, you know, it sounds good, but Bill, you know, if that's true, if God wants to bless me, then why hasn't he? Why hasn't he? And Jesus has an answer to that question in the first three Beatitudes. That's what we're looking at. Matthew chapter five, there are nine Beatitudes. In the first three, Jesus shows us the way to access the personal Blessing of God, your personal kingdom access is what he's talking about. So a quick answer for today's for that question, if you say, why isn't God blessing me? It'd be like, maybe you're not accessing it. Maybe God has already given the blessing, but you're not accessing it. What do you mean? Well, it's like you're sitting in a dark room and you're wondering, why does God have me sitting in the dark? And the answer may be as simple as, you haven't hit the light switch. So what I understand Jesus to be saying in this message of the Beatitudes, in the first three Beatitudes, Jesus is showing you how to activate the blessing switch. And I believe that because I have experienced it in my life, and I have also experienced the opposite side of that. When these attitudes are missing, be attitudes, we could call them the attitudes to be, And when these attitudes are missing in my life or absent in my life, so also is my sense of God's blessing upon my life. Do you know what those three first attitudes to be are? We could call them, like I said, attitudes to be, and each one of them has something to do with my sense of personal need, with your sense of personal need, and then what I do with it. Do I see it? Do I feel it? Do I yield it to God? That's really what the question is asking. Or do I deny it? Do I dodge it? And I just go on and do I do life my way as if there is no God? I am my own God. So the question really is this. What do you do with your sense of personal need? Do you say, what need? I'm good. Hey, you know, I got it going on. Do you say, well, I feel the need sometimes, Bill, truly. I feel the need, but you know what? I'm getting it together. 
I'm working on it. You know, I got, I got some stuff coming together. Or do you say, you know what? <laughs> I'll get to that someday. That God blessing stuff, okay, I, I get it. And someday, you know, I'll seek his blessing. Maybe someday I'll feel the need, but right now I got some stuff I wanna do. And I'm telling you, you know, I'm sort of like my own blessing God right now. I'm making some good, I'm, I'm blessing myself right now. And thank you very much. If I ever feel the need for God's blessing, then I'll deal with the need for God's blessing. But I'm telling you, if you compare me to others around me, I'm looking pretty good right now. Three scenarios in response to the sense of need. You ever stop to think that maybe one of the reasons you're not personally experiencing the blessing of God is because you're not accessing it. That's where Jesus starts, your personal kingdom access. And the reason you're not accessing it is because you, you don't think you need it. Because if you felt like you needed it, then you might try to figure out how to access it, but you're doing just fine without it. And so that's why your life continues to go on without it. You still, you tracking with me here? So the reason we don't see our need is because we, we are very skilled in denying it, in dodging it, in covering it, and, in the first, and then we do these comparison games. Well, hey, compared to him, compared to her, you know, at least I'm in front of them. Instead of acknowledging our need, you know what we do? We do those other things. And here's what Jesus does. He says, you know what? I'm not gonna play the comparison game. You wanna know how to be blessed by God. I'm gonna show you where the keys are. And the keys are right here to unlock the blessing of God on your life. You could summarize them like this. See your need, feel your need, yield your need to God. Could you say that? Those are the keys to your pathway, to kingdom access. See your need, feel your need, yield your need to God. And here's how Jesus says it. Blessed, blessed are the poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What's that math? Blessed are those who mourn. They will be comforted. Blessed, there's the blessed blessing from God upon those who are meek. They will inherit the earth. And so Jesus shows us here the way that you can personally access kingdom blessing. And it comes in three parts. And the first one is rational, rational. Admit your spiritual need. That's a rational decision. You come to it by being aware of it in your head. And he's talking about being poor spiritually. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit. He, spiritual poverty. He's not glamorizing being poor financially. I mean, he's not saying, Jesus is not saying, you know, to be really close to God, you need to take a vow of poverty. That's not what he says here, okay? He says there is blessing in being poor in spirit, though. So maybe we could learn something about spiritual poverty from looking at a financial impoverished situation. What do I mean? I mean, you know, if, how do you know if you're poor financially? Well, you look at your requirements, right? <laughs> and you look at your resources, and if your requirements exceed your resources, then you go, I'm poor, <laughs> right? It's like a rational thing. I just see it, I get it. The numbers don't add up, I'm in the red, I'm poor. 
I'm poor, I'm in need. I have a rational awareness of my shortfall and so I, it registers in my head and I admit I don't have what I need rationally. Jesus says that's where the pathway to spiritual blessing begins. When spiritually you come to a rational understanding that you don't have what you need, then that's the first step. Now, if you're like me on the financial side, if you realize you kind of got some financial difficulties going on and suddenly you become rationally aware of it, my emotional life kicks in pretty quick. What do I mean? I'm in the red, this is not good. I'm feeling it, right? I need that, but I don't have that, whoa! Yeah, you know, I feel it. That's what, and, and it's emotional. So my rational mind kicks into my emotional heart and I start feeling it. What's the second beatitude? It's an emotional one. Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn. That's an emotional word. I mean, it's saturated with grief. Mourning is a grief language. Now, some of us have grieved before. We know what emotions are connected to grief. You feel a sense of deep loss. And so what do you feel? Well, you feel mad sometimes about it. You feel sad sometimes about it. You feel bad. How do I, I can't get out. You, you, but the, but the, what's true about all of those is you're feeling it. Here's what Jesus says. You wanna know the pathway to blessing. These numbers don't seem to add up on the surface, do they? But he said, rationally, you gotta see it. Emotionally, you gotta feel it and and then what happens? Well, then I start looking for a way out. Man, this can't stay. I can't stay like this. Something's got to change, right? That's the, that's the volitional side of this. So right up front, Jesus says, there's a new humility. I'm suddenly open to this new way of decision in light of my situation. That's called meekness. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. So I see my need rationally, I feel my need emotionally, and then I line my volitional decision-making up to it saying, I'm ready for a change. That's what the word meek means. Blessed are the meek. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is a word that describes what a stallion does. Rippling with muscle, a stallion does when under the reins of a worthy rider. It's not the absence of strength, it's yielding. So I see my need, I feel my need. I, you see your need, you feel your need, and then you yield your need to God. And Jesus says, you know what'll happen when you do? Blessing, blessing, blessing. Blessing. Blessing comes when you do that. Now I have somebody as a special guest here with us today who knows about that blessing because he has come through and faced multiple needs, still doing it. I've, he's no stranger to you. I've told you about him before. We have partnered with him in time past in responding to the refugee crisis in Syria and in Lebanon. Shawi Bulas is his name. The refugees that we are helping to feed from Christ Journey Church that you all helped feed. And then the women that we prayed for that were a part of that. And then the Jesus celebrations that continued after that where I, I was invited to speak. And when we gave the altar call, hundreds of people came to make friends with Jesus and the forgiveness of of sin as savior. And then from there, they brought children with them so that we were able to serve their children. And this man, Shawi Bulas, is our friend from Beirut, Lebanon. Would you welcome him with me? God bless you, Shawi. We gotta get your microphone here. Absolutely. 
See how close we are? Yeah. When was the last time you had somebody play with your ear? God bless you, my friend. You're about to be blessed. Thank you. Someone try how to repair you, you know? We are fragile, you know. I'm very happy, excited to be with you this morning. Uh, This is the second time I visit your church here, and uh, a great honor. Uh, to me to be with you this morning. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to share a little bit about how I accepted the Lord as my Savior, and at the same time, a little bit about what we're doing uh, in the Middle East. Uh, I grew up in a Christian nominal family. Uh, the house I grew up, uh, no one a day come, they opened the Bible and read from the Bible. You know, we used to be very little involved with the church. And then I remember when I was around 11 years old, I felt big emptiness in my heart. And I tried to uh, fill, uh, fill that emptiness in many ways. And frankly, I failed. I couldn't, you know, be happy and understand the true meaning of happiness. When I was around 15 years old, War started in our country. And Lebanon, they used to say uh, about Lebanon, is the uh, Switzerland of the Middle East or Paris of the Middle East. We used to be a very peaceful country. And then since 1975, when war started, everybody started to look at the future in a very dark way. Because you have no guarantee to stay alive 24 hours. You, you cannot plan for your future when you have this kind of war. When I was around 17 years old, I remember one morning uh, I woke up, my mom woke up, the two of us been sick, and my dad left our house and he went to buy some medicine for us. So he left the house, he never made it back. So when he left, We had the Syrian regime occupied Lebanon, and an argument took place on that street. He was walking there, and then the Syrian regime came, shot everybody walking there. And my dad been one of those people, and what really sad about this story, they let him bleed for two hours and a half till he died. They didn't let no one come, uh, you know, to help him. Uh, After that time, you know, I got really from inside uh, very, you know, upset. And uh, I believe, uh, I, you know, I joined the Christian militia. I become part of, of the civil war, you know, in Lebanon. But uh, after that little bit also, I was the oldest uh, kid in the family. So I left school and I went to Saudi Arabia to work over there to be able to support my family. And when I was there, I said, uh, you know, to myself, uh, all the time you grew among the you know, nominal Christians and I have that big emptiness in my heart. I thought it might be a good thing to ask, you know, some of the Muslim friends over there uh, about, you know, their religion. Maybe, you know, I can find it over there. And then they did. I had some good Muslim friends. They introduced, you know, their religion to me. And then after that, I did a comparison between the two religions. And then... After I did the comparison, I came to the same conclusion that if I failed in Christianity, I'm going to fail in Islam. That's the Christianity I grew up. 
And then why? Because the two religions base, are based on the good deeds. The more good deeds you do, uh, uh, your chance to go to heaven is higher. Less good deeds, you know, you go down to hell. Or, uh, and this way, I try to be a good person many times, many times I failed. Since I said I failed over here, I'm going to fail over there. So I left Saudi Arabia, went back to Lebanon, and when I went back, I felt I want to be an atheist. I don't want to believe in God anymore because the idea came at that time to my mind that God created me to go to hell. If he loves me, why I can't find him uh, on any side? And then when I went back, I couldn't stay for a long time as an atheist because nothing will happen if no one will create it, no one will make it. You know, I couldn't stay there. And then I started, you know, to go drink, uh, do nasty stuff I am not proud of. And uh, I was around that, uh, that time, around 22 years old. And, and that year, between 22 to 23, I thought five times seriously about committing suicide and stop my life. And while I was struggling with this situation, the Lord sent a guy uh, to me, his name, Fadi. Fadi, he wasn't a preacher, he wasn't a pastor. He, was, he used to work in a bank with one of my friends. He used to witness to my friend and my friend brought Fadi and he introduced him to me too. So he started to witness to the two of us. And I can say, uh, after eight months of Fadi working on, you know, telling us about how to love Jesus, he was our Jesus in other words, because we didn't see Jesus. I saw Fadi that time. And he kept for eight months doing hard praying for us. And one uh, time we got uh, two invitations at the same time. One invitation is to go to attend the Lebanese president, the elected Lebanese president. He was the head of our Christian militia, became the president of the country. Or the second invitation to go with Fadi, there is a church doing a revival to attend one night for, you know, from, from that uh, revival. And then to make the story short, we told uh, three guys of us, we went, we told our parents we're going to go to attend the Lebanese president uh, delivering his speech at that night. And on our way to go there, we struggled. We felt, you know, internal struggle. And then we decided not to go to hear the Lebanese president. We went with our friend Fadi uh, to church, the church they were doing that revival there. We went at that night, and it was the first time in my life, uh, you know, to hear a good, solid message about salvation and just to come to the Lord as you are. Give him yourself, you know, and then he will do everything. You don't need to do good deeds. You don't need to do any stuff like that. And then, praise God, at that night, the three of us, we decided, you know, to live for the Lord, and since that time, our lives really been changed. But uh, when we left that place, we went back home, we discovered that an explosion took place where the Lebanese president, that, that this story is in 1982, you know, been there, and that explosion killed the Lebanese president and many, many people been uh, at that place at that time. 
and good big number of people been wounded. So from the first night we discovered that was our night. I mean, if we go to hear the Lebanese president, we don't know what will happen to us. We went to church from that, you know, the time the Lord saved our physical body and spiritual life. Uh, today, I want to encourage you. If, you. if you don't know where you are standing with the Lord, no one can guarantee what happened after you leave maybe this place. You know, make a decision today, you know, if you are still, you don't know where you are. We accepted the Lord with, uh, with the two other guys in year 82. Now we are in year 2017. That was a long time ago. And now, uh, after two years, when I accepted him, he called me. His voice was about there is a great revival is going to take place in the Middle East. I believe, present time, that revival started to happen. Uh, I believe it's our visitation time. We uh, love the Arabs. We want them to come to know the Lord. That's why we do celebrated Jesus rallies in different Arab countries. That's why I, I invited your pastor to come and participate, you know, in those uh, things. And we're seeing good number of people coming back to the Lord. And as you know, from all the news, from, you know, this is not the hidden stuff, the situation of refugees, you know, Syrian refugees, Iraqi refugees in the Middle East and all over the world. Lebanon is a very small country. You can put 21 Lebanon in North Carolina. Now you can imagine how big Lebanon, you know? <laughs> so uh, the population of Lebanon, they say between 3 million and a half to 4 million. And we hosted around 2 million refugees. Can you imagine 2 million refugees in a country that is 3 million and they have to 4 million? If you look at it, it's really scary. Really scary how you want to deal with this huge, big number of refugees with our limited, you know, everything limited with us space, money, food. You don't know, you know, how to handle that. When you look at it, it's scary, it's overwhelming. But our God is a big God. It's scary for me, scary for us, but it's not scary for him. We love to serve those people from all our hearts. We do. And from the other side, I have the picture always in my eyes when Jesus transformed five loaves of bread, two fish to feed multitudes. That's the attitude, you know, I, I, I approach, you know, the ministry. Today, maybe there are many things scary to you, bigger than you, bigger than us, yes. They are not bigger than our God. God bless you.
the personal question I have to ask is, how does that work? How does that work? How does a young man who is empty, frustrated, who um, isn't good enough for God by his own personal experience, now wind up feeding and caring for the very people from a regime that killed his father. How does that work? The, the numbers don't add up, do they? Unless you know the new math. This is the math of blessing that Jesus is trying to introduce us to. See your need, feel your need, yield your need to God. That's what Shawi did. And so now he knows in a world of need, other people have needs. He knows, oh, you know what? If you see your need, feel your need, and yield your need to God, then you will access the blessing of God. That's what this talk is about. Now, most of us are not gonna have a story like Shawi, but I can tell you every one of us have needs. And the question is, what are you doing with your need? Because right now, perhaps you are doing what our culture says. Hide it, right? Never let them see you sweat. So we hide it or we pretend like we don't have a need. Fake it till you make it, we say. That's how are you dealing with your need? Or, and, and I'm telling you that I have benefited from some of these sayings. There's another one that says, you know, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. So we think there's something I need to do to face this need or outdo this need. What are you doing with your need right now? Because I'm telling you, though there is some truth in those sayings, there's also the danger of denial and pride. And Jesus knew what the writer of Proverbs said when he wrote, pride comes before destruction. See, the opposite of poor in spirit is not rich in spirit. It's proud. <laughs> proud. And pride will kill you in this life and the next. And Jesus knows that. See, nobody waltzes into heaven singing, I did it my way. <laughs> Doesn't happen like that. Here's what Jesus said. The blessing of heaven comes to those who are poor in spirit. How blessed the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So, what are you doing with your need? He doesn't mean, poor, being poor in spirit doesn't mean playing the victim, blaming somebody else, no. It doesn't mean living in shame, oh, I'll never make it. It means face the truth about yourself and your situation that will move you in to receive blessing from God. Help me, Lord, who knew? Things looking bad for you? <laughs> Here's what Jesus is saying. When things are looking bad, there's blessing to be had, depending on how you respond to need. What are you supposed to do with need? See your need, feel your need, yield your need to God. He says, what will happen if I do? Blessing, 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 Jesus says. What kind of blessing? Kingdom of heaven, comfort from spirit, inheritance on earth. <laughs> but the on-ramp is counter to pride. Pride does not want to see or feel need. Pride wants to hide. Pride wants to run. Pride wants to, you know, defend. We're afraid, you know, pride doesn't want to see need or feel need. Here's what we're afraid of. We're afraid it's going to feel bad. 
And we don't wanna feel bad. We don't wanna feel embarrassed. We don't wanna feel rejected. We don't wanna feel sorrow. But look at this. The apostle Paul struggled with the same things and here's what he wrote. Godly sorrow, there's a kind of sorrow that can lead your heart to the blessing of God. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. Can you imagine a life without regret? What is that? Blessing. It's the same thing Jesus was saying. So Paul would later write, he said, you know what? When I'm weak, then I'm strong. What's he talking about? This blessing right here, your blessing, your life. What are you doing with your need? You feel your need, you yield your need to God, you bring your rational self, I see it with my head, I feel it with my heart, your emotional self, and I yield it with my volitional self. And Jesus said, when those align, listen, you're calling play 13. And the new math is gonna show up for you. So the question, and what's, what's the reminder again? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the ones who mourn. Blessed are the meek, those who yield. Where does God want to bring his blessing to you right now? I can guarantee you this. It will be at your point of need and what you are deciding to do with it. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, we thank you for your patience and kindness toward us. We thank you that you love us enough to tell us the truth when we are so tempted to deny it and dodge it and run the other way and replace it with pride. Thank you that you have taken our place on the cross, that the sins of our pride could be forgiven and that the barrier of our defensiveness could be moved away and that you rose from the dead that now your spirit could bring life and blessing to us. So we pray that blessing for every person who is responding to you right now in that quiet place in your heart. Do you see your need? Do you feel your need? Then yield your need to God. Lord, I yield to you. You are my God. And if you're here with us on the front end of your spiritual journey and wanna know how can I enter the pathway of blessing, I'm telling you, don't be too smart for your own good. We can be too smart for our own good sometimes, like a coach who can't win the game. But you could be smart enough to call play 13 right now. Lord, I'm in need. I need forgiveness. I need cleansing. I need power that is beyond me. So I open my heart to you, Jesus. Forgive my sins. I open my mind and will to you. Be my king. Lead me. And may your life now guide me through this life as I turn from my way to your way. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me and would let me ask God's blessing upon your new steps of faith, then I'm gonna invite you, our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed, just to raise your hand and hold it high for a moment so that I can see in the room and then pray God's blessing for you. If you're joining us online, then click on that orange bar right there on screen and we're praying for you right now as well. God bless you in the middle toward the back. God bless you, sir, ma'am, thank you, God bless you. Another toward the back all the way to my right. 
seeing two, another one on the aisle over here. God, Lord, Holy Spirit, every hand that's raised, we are committing the open heart that they bring to you and asking that you would pour your life into them according to your word and that they could know the blessing that we're talking about as they begin their journey with you. In your name we pray, amen.